This week, someone came to see me, and they wanted to talk about the book of Acts, and they said, you know, nine months ago, when we said we're going to study Acts, I thought, what could be worse? And here we are nine months later, the last chapter, and I hope it's been a journey of faith and encouragement to you. Could you open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 28? As you were looking, I just want to express sympathy to the Ericsons and the Van Zees and the Thompsons and the death and the life homegoing of um, father and grandfather. We hope you'll remember them. And also, Pastor John Vanderberg, remember him and your thoughts and prayers. If you know these loved ones, encouragement, love, and blessing would be great. So thank you. So we're going to talk about paradox. Can I have the slide? Josh, can I have the first slide? There we go. So the previous weeks, I've tried to try to come up with a word to, to put our teaching together around the theme. So the previous weeks, you used the word resurrection and prayer and testify and storms. And today, I'd like to use the word paradox. And I hope that, I guess my intent would be to invite you to, to look at yourself and when you find these places of tension in your life or opportunities or times of challenge or pain, my question will be, do you see paradoxically how the kingdom of God is at work, how the kingdom is being expressed, how the life of Christ is being given to you in the midst of what seems to be such a difficult or painful situation. So we're going to look at that in the life of St. Paul. Um, and so there, thank you, Josh. The definition, this comes, I think, from Wikipedia. I can't remember where I got it from. It's a seemingly observed, absurd or self-contradicting statement that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. So we're going to look at paradoxes this morning. I'm going to just pick selected verses in Acts chapter 28. So can I invite you to look at verse uh, 28, chapters, chapter 28. Wow, 11 through 16. Pray for me. I'm fuzzy brain this morning. Chapter 28, 11 through 16. So we have, look for paradox here. After 11 months, or three months, we put out to sea, ship, pray for me. After three months, he put out to sea in a ship that wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regimum. The next day, the south wind came up, and the following day, we reached Batoli. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so, we came to Rome." The brothers and sisters there heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius, which is 43 miles from Rome, and the Three Taverns, 33 miles in Rome, to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When, he got, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Then if you go down to verse 23, Paul is interacting with the Jewish uh, people in Rome, 23, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to a place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining, look what he explained about, the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and they began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. 
For this people's heart, a singular, for this people's heart has become calloused. They, could, they hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, plural, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ without boldness and without hindrance. People of God, this is the word of God. So we're going to talk about some, some paradoxes here. And I'd like to, well, let me, let me start with this. So get the sentence again, Josh. This, no, I'm sorry, the sentence. There you go. A seemingly self-observed or self-contradicting statement that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. So let me give you the simplest paradox. This man is chained to a guard. He is a prisoner. And yet... He has the most influence and the most impact of any time in his life when he is imprisoned and chained. That's a paradox. So here's my question where I want to go with you. When you have felt those times or seasons, perhaps you're there now, where I feel imprisoned or I feel chained or in a time of great pressure or pain, do you sense, can you see the paradox of the work of the kingdom of God in that time, in that place, in that hardship? You notice twice in the passage, he talks about the kingdom of God. Can I take you back to Acts chapter 1, which is nine months ago? In the first few verses, what does the text tell us in Acts? That Jesus began to talk to them and began to explain more fully the kingdom of God. So I want you to just, make, make, just review this for you. The number one thing Jesus talked about, number one, was the kingdom of God, the presence. The word for kingdom is basileia. It's the rule, the reign. So when Jesus lived on the earth, what he was trying to show to people is this is what the reign of God looks like. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what we're saying, whatever is happening in the heavens, we want that to happen here. So what Jesus said in Acts chapter, St. Luke wrote in chapter one, this is what Jesus did. He taught, he taught, he taught, he showed. And then all through the book of Acts, they are bringing, showing, revealing the kingdom of God. Now, quick time out. If you go back to Luke's first volume, in chapter eight, Jesus does something interesting. He exhibits the kingdom of God in word and in deed. In chapter 9, he says to the 12 disciples, you 12, I'm sending you out and you bring the words and deeds of what? The kingdom of God. In chapter 10, what does Jesus do? He says to the 72, you bring the kingdom in word and deed. What is the point Dr. Luke is making? Jesus taught and did the kingdom. His 12 closest people said and did the kingdom. And then the 72 is a representative of whom? The people of God. So what, what Dr. Luke is trying to help us see is there is a consistency in what's happening. So the whole volume two, book of Acts, is what? The kingdom comes, the kingdom comes, the kingdom comes. So twice in this passage, we just read, it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. Jesus taught the kingdom. Why? Listen to this sentence. The paradox of the kingdom of God is that it is hiding 
in plain sight. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. What's really interesting, and where I'm going to take us eventually as we talk about paradox, is I'm going to ask you to think about the condition of your own heart. Because in the passage, there is this conversation of people who are seeing, but never seeing. Hearing, but never hearing. Because of what? The heart of the community is calloused. And then he says, but, but, you can get soft hearts so that you can see and you can hear and you can bring the kingdom of God. Let me, let me just show this with you. I had a physical exam this week and my doctor shared a number of things, some different vaccines that I could, could receive. What's, what's the point of a vaccine? It's to take a small amount of the forgive me, I'm not a medical person, I understand it, a small amount of the disease or whatever to just get your body some ability to fight the disease, right? Isn't it trying to get, build your immune system, be strong against something? Here's my concern with Christian people in America today. We've been vaccinated with enough about Jesus that we don't get a fever, but we're not on fire. We, we, we got enough, we got a little bit, we got, and then what, happened, what happened to those people? Our hearts get hard, and what happens? We don't see the kingdom. We don't hear the kingdom. And what if it's all around? What if the kingdom of God is being expressed? What if the kingdom of God is hiding in plain sight? It's all around us. What if it's available if people's hearts... You notice how often our worship leaders from the front talk to us at the start of the service about heart conditions? Let me give you an example. Yesterday, I was invited into a situation where there was abuse. Some years before, a woman about uh, my age was abused by a family member. And in the conversation, there were a number of us together, and th the person who'd been abused shared this, and her frustration was, this is the response of the people in the greater family. Yeah, that happened. Forgive the person who hurt you. Get over it. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my. Really? Sexual abuse. Just get over it. And I sat there and looked at the room, and this is what I saw. People who saw, and they didn't see. They heard, but they didn't hear. So they had just a little bit of the gospel. They got the part that says, forgive those who hurt you. But they've not heard the depths of the pain of someone who's been so horribly violated that the journey to healing has to begin with a recognition of the level of degradation and pain that's been experienced. And I sat there and just thought, oh, my, they don't see, they don't hear, but watch, but watch. But then I looked at my own heart. And how many times when I interact with you, you're an interruption. I've got emails to respond to. I've got texts I've got to deal with. 
Okay. And then I thought, oh, the story, the story. Do you know the story of the Good Samaritan? Oh, there's a person laying in the street, deeply, deeply wounded, and the religious people walk right past because they don't want to get contaminated. And I said to myself, Kevin, how many times in the course of a day do you see but not see? How many times do you hear, Kevin, and you don't hear? And what if the kingdom of God is hiding in plain sight? So let's look at some of these things in just a moment. Could you with me? How about slide number six, Josh? There we go. Look at some of the paradoxes in this passage. How many detours are there just in the one of Malta? I can explain. This is just so interesting to me. So the destination, detours, detours. Paul wants to get to Rome. He's consistently detouring. Now, look at the kingdom of God in Malta. So let me tell you about the story here. In Malta, there was a disease connected to dysentery for centuries. You know what was it connected to? The milk of the goats caused dysentery. And it wasn't until either 1827 or 1877 they figured out that it was the milk of the goats that was making people so sick. So what does the prisoner, the one who's chained to a soldier, do? He sees a man who is sick and has dysentery, and the prisoner prays. The text says he prayed, and he healed the man. And then what happens? The whole island of Malta comes. The whole island. And what does he do? He talks about Jesus. And he preaches the gospel. And he heals the sick. And the whole island of Malta is touched. That is the kingdom of God. But he's a prisoner. He's tied to a Roman soldier. He's a prisoner. So he's got detours, detours, and every detour, what do you see? St. Paul is mindful of the kingdom of God, and he wants to express it. So here's one of my questions for you. In the midst of the detours of your life, do you understand you have a destination? Can I just, will you stay with me just here? Are you with me? Turn over to John chapter 11. Let, let me, I can't have a page number. Someone throw a page number. John 11. John 11, and I'd like you to look at verse... Um, John 11, verse 24. No, John 11, verse 21. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go now. Here, here, this is what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to exhibit, I'm trying to show you a way when we see, but we don't see, and we hear, and we don't hear. One of my observations is as a church family, we are dealing with death so much, so we learn this. Now watch what happens. Chapter 11. Verse 21, Lord, this is the brother Lazarus has just died, two sisters with Jesus. Verse 21, Lord Martha said of Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Her response, I know he'll rise again in the last day. Now look what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Look at the next phrase. And whoever lives by believing in me, read the last three words. 
What? According to Scripture, you don't die. You live forever. Did you just see that? You just read it. Did we just read it together? Is it in the Bible? So down, down a little farther, I have, um, I don't have it there. So death and resurrection. So our fourth son is not dead. He's living elsewhere. Lisa Jansen is not dead. She is living elsewhere. Now, see, if you've been vaccinated with the gospel, you got just a little bit of the gospel, and then, and then, and then, and then death comes and says, oh, no, and it's right, and death hurts, and it stings, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But listen, we have hope. They're not stuck in the ground. If Christ is risen, we will rise. That's the gospel. That's why we got a living guy, not a dead guy. Do you understand this? So we got, oh, oh, come on. We have a risen Jesus who is active and his kingdom is all over the place. Do you see? Do you see? Do you hear? The kingdom is hidden in plain sight. Let's go on a little farther. Go back to Acts 28. I'm sorry. I'm forgetting. I'm getting off on a tangent. I do. Boy. Let's go back to this. There we go. Josh, can I have the uh, number seven again? How about fear to faith? In chapter 11, uh, 28, verses 11, whatever. I want you to think about this one. I want you to think about how afraid Paul was. So what happens when you go to Rome? What has the Holy Spirit told him already? He's told him, now remember now, this is a 30-year period. This book of Acts is over 30 years. He has been told repeatedly that you will suffer, you will experience pain, it's going to get hard. You will speak to governors and kings, and he has. And every time he's spoken to governors and kings, what's happened? He's been beaten to crap. How many times has he been flogged? How many times beaten with rods? How many times stoned? So he's driving, he's going to go up to the map again, Josh. He's, in, he's landed on the mainland. He's at Syracuse. He's going to go up to Rome. And what do you think he's feeling? Here it goes again. So I think, I think there is a fear in him. But what happens? All of a sudden, a text says all kinds of people show up. Now, I want you to think about this. Go back to the map. Where's Rome? Paul has never gone there. We read nothing in Scripture about anybody going to Rome. But in Acts chapter 28, what happens? All kinds of believers walk 43 miles to encourage him. What happens? And he thanks the Lord. And he is strengthened. Why? Because he was battling fear. So back to the slide. The paradox is we can experience fear, but we can embrace faith. Fear, faith. How about prison? He's imprisoned. Can I give slide page number? Look at Philippians chapter one. I'm sorry I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm trying to really nail this point home. Philippians chapter one, verses 12 through 14. Three verses. Look, look, look at this idea of being a prisoner and what happens, and there's the paradox around it. 
Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. The heading in the NIV, Paul's chains advance the gospel. Look what he says. Verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What's he talking about? 30 years of beaten, beaten up and hurt and diminished and, and all kinds of hurt and pain. It has advanced the gospel. Now, specifically, he's in prison. He's a prisoner. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard. Look down your footnote. Or the whole palace. And to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of this chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel of fear without fear. Do you see the paradox? Now get this. this now, I'm going to explain the second time he's in prison. This, this is the fun time. He gets to stay in a house for two years, but he is chained to a soldier. So a soldier would do, ooh, about eight-hour shifts, they think, we're not sure, eight hours, and then that soldier would leave and go where? He'd go back to the barracks tied to Nero's palace. And another soldier would come, chained to Paul. What's happening when he's chained to Paul? All these people, the text says, are coming to his house where he is a prisoner. And what are they hearing about? They're hearing about Jesus. Paul is writing letters, and these soldiers are hearing. And where do the soldiers go? They go to Nero's palace. They go to the barracks. And the best soldiers in the Roman Empire are sent all over the world. And what are they talking about? They're talking about this dead guy who got raised, who does crazy, mighty things. The prisoner is home, and everyone's coming to his home, chained, and he's pointing to Jesus. How about this one? He's isolated. He's stuck in a house. He can't go outside the house. Can you imagine being stuck in a house for two years? You cannot leave your house for two years. But he is totally free. He begins to write letters. And the letters get circulated all over the Roman Empire. And people all over the Roman Empire hear about this wonderful, marvelous, incredible kingdom of God with King Jesus. And all kinds of people are being seen, felt, heard the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, the kingdom is spreading. And he's in jail. Now listen to me. When you're in jail, when you are tied to chains of pain or loss or grief, what do you see? What do you hear? Oh, my life is terrible. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I've been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been pity parties for months since Kirk has died. And yet, and yet, we fight for faith. We move forward with faith. Yes? So he is isolated, but he's not. He is silenced, but he's expressive. So my question, this is what I'm getting at. So listen, listen. When you are in your hard times and places, when you feel you've been left alone or you have been um, diminished, isolated, broken, whatever, do you see, do you see the kingdom of God? Do you hear about the kingdom of God? Now, there, 
Why do we or why don't we? Well, the text helps you understand that. Look over here on chapter 28. Look what he says in verse 26. In fact, verse 25. So in chapter 28, verse 25, these different Jewish leaders disagreed among themselves. They began to leave Paul after making his final statement, after he said this. The Holy Spirit, look, this is why we believe the scriptures are true. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he spoke to the prophet Isaiah who wrote this down. Go to this people and say, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never, see, never, never perceiving. Do you see the paradox? They can see but they don't see. Let me give you an example of this now. This is amazing. I told, on Easter Sunday, I did, I did this example. Remember Easter Sunday this year? Let me remind you. I used the story of the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Jesus is standing. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. I went back to, uh, that was two years ago. I'm going back this year. It was Mary Magdalene standing at the tomb. Do you remember, the, remember, remember what I did? How I acted that out? So Mary is standing right here. And Jesus walks right up to her. And she sees him and talks to him, and she does not see him. You remember that? Right in front. Doesn't see. Why? The text says because of the condition of the heart. Her heart was broken. Her heart was sad. Her heart was in a place that she could not see. But then she heard her name. Miriam. <gasps> Jesus. And she could see. How many times and ways does the hardness of our hearts inhibit our ability to see or hear the presence of Jesus? So this, this is just amazing. So stay with me. What I'm observing is, use myself. 64 years old. I've been in church since I was weaned. I was in church before I was weaned. I was in church in the womb. And it is so easy for the, my heart to get calloused. So I know the things of God. I, I know stuff. But my heart can get calloused and hard. And so as, as we interact with each other, I can act like I'm being the good pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Inside I'm thinking, how long is this going to take? What is her problem? Why can't he figure this out? How stupid can you be? <laughs> There's a problem right here. There's a problem right here. And when our hearts are calloused and hard, we don't see. We don't hear. So let me ask you a question. What's the condition of your heart? How is your heart? How, how, the heart, for the Hebrew, it's the center of who we are. What's the condition of your heart? How are you with people? Let me get real specific. Play with you a little bit. Remember when Jesus, in the Gospels, Jesus comes back and there's the, the conversation about the sheep and the goats? Remember that whole story? And the sheep I know and the goats I don't. You know, you know what I'm talking about when I say that? What did Jesus say? 
He didn't care for the weak, the broken, the prisoners, the hungry, the lost. If you didn't, you didn't care for me. Let me mess with you here now. Jesus is not talking about the world. He's talking about other Christian people, brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you following me okay? Read the passage. He's saying, I don't know you to these goats because they don't see brothers and sisters in Christ as people who need the touch of Christ through us. Mess with you even more. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? It's the people you live with. Listen now. If we don't love in our homes well, Jesus, John said in 1 John, we are liars. If, let, me quote Jesus, let me quote John. If you don't love your brother who you have seen, how can you love the one whom you have not seen? You are a liar, and the truth is not in you. The kingdom of God starts here with the people you live with. And then who else is your neighbor? The people you go to school or work with. Do you see the people who the Lord has placed in your life? Or is the heart hard? And the person I work with is just a jerk, and they just never get it. That may be true. But what if he or she was sexually abused 30 years ago? Because one in four women are sexually abused today, they were told, and one in seven men. So if you've been violated to that level, how much trust do you have in anybody? How do you trust a superior when a superior abused you? How do you trust someone who gives you direction when the person who abused you gave you direction for years and worked you over and prepared the way and then violated you tremendously? And so at work, that person can be just a jerk. But what if, what if, what if, what if there are reasons? What if there are reasons? You know the phrase that old, uh, ooh, came out of the title of the book, the title of the book came out of the author. The title of the book is Hurting People Hurt People. Wounded people wound people. And so as we live with hearts that are soft, Holy Spirit, the song we sang at the offering, Holy Spirit, come, fall on us. Why? so we can be people who bear the goodness of the kingdom. Let me just play with you a second. Brian Vandaloon is going to preach somewhere soon, uh, one of our elders. And yesterday we were, we were talking about uh, his sermon. And he was talking about choosing joy. And let, me, let me mess with you a little bit again. Choosing joy. And, I, my, 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 and that comes out of Lisa Jansen's life, the model of her family, which is so beautiful. We, we want to choose joy, and, and we want to affirm that idea. But I said to Brian, let's take it one level deeper. The fruit of the Spirit is, and I quote Galatians 5, love, joy. Where does joy come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. So watch this now. I said to Brian, so what if, as women and men, boys and girls who are filled with the Spirit, 
Isaiah talks about us being oaks of righteousness. So imagine we are all trees planted by the Lord Jesus all over this region. So imagine your arms have fruit hanging on. And at your workplace or at your school, someone plucks from you love. Someone takes from you peace. What if someone takes from you and gift you've been given joy? Your joy has been given, and now you share it. That's what Lisa was doing, sharing joy. But notice the source. It comes from being connected to Jesus. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is His life in us, and the fruit just grows, and people take, and that's why we have to be refilled and refilled and refilled. Why? So we can bear more fruit. Why? So people can receive it. So everywhere we go, we are bearing fruit, and people are saying and seeing, oh, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Oh, that's what the kingdom of God sounds like. And you bring it back to Acts chapter 1, and you will be witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So real quick, number seven. We talk about the paradox of living with Jesus. I'm going to go through real quickly, and I want to give you an illustration. So I think it's not grace or truth. The paradox is grace and truth. It's not word or spirit. It's word and spirit. It's not dying or eternal life. It is dying and living at the same time. Being and doing. Being in Christ, doing for Christ. Sadness and joy. Let me unpack this for you now, the paradox. When we talk about leadership and apply it to everybody here. So I think, I, I believe all of us have someone who follows us. Is that a fair assumption? Someone follows us. Nephew, niece, work, coworker, teammate, people, whatever. If that is true, I think it's true, we all have someone, we are all leaders. Now watch this. It comes from Samuel Chan, C-H-A-N-D. We all have a threshold for pain, for leadership pain. And for most of us, when we hit our leadership threshold, we quit. The pain is too great. I can't take any more pain. But what do you see with the great leaders, the great Christian leaders? They say, Lord, raise my threshold so that my threshold for pain increases that I can be used better for your kingdom. And we run from the pain. It is in the pain that comes the strength. Faith is a muscle that has to be exercised. We as a church family are dealing with death and resurrection all the time. Why? We are learning. Listen now. We are learning that death is not the final word. When your brother died, it wasn't it. My son is not dead. Lisa Jansen is not dead. Brian Jubiak is not dead. We go, I could go through 170 names. We, we, what did Jesus say? Anyone who lives and believes in me will never. That is what the Lord is helping us to understand. 
and we're getting it. We are getting this. Am I speaking the truth? 170 of us have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and we are getting this. We believe that, listen, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Life can't, death can't. Angels can't, demons can't. Nothing in all creation can separate, listen to this now, can separate you and us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's where witnesses are. One more fast story, and I don't mean to, you know, I, 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 we all talk about where we live, so forgive me if I, I do this. But an interesting story, and I, need, I don't have full permission to tell the story, but I can tell parts of it. And I may not have it exactly right, so I'm asking for umbrella mercy. It comes out of Kirk's death. So at Vermeer Manufacturing, there is a way they, of mentoring that is part of the, who Vermeer is at different levels, I understand. And one person I know who is mentoring someone from a different country, and over some time, that person began to be interested in the things of the kingdom, in Christ and his kingdom. There was an interest in it. And a person from another country um, had a friend, if I understand it right, who, whose son died. And somehow the man from Vermeer talked to his friend from a different country, and somehow there was a viewing of Kirk's funeral. And now my understanding is this group of young people is looking at, considering, or perhaps in a relationship with Jesus because of Kirk's life here and there. Now, how many times does the Lord do that in our lives? But do you see it? Do you see it? The kingdom of God is hidden in plain sight. So what's our prayer? Lord, give me a soft heart. Give us soft hearts. In the softness of those hearts, we are so available and open to seeing Christ in his kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we want to say thank you that you're inviting us to live as people with courage, to live with faith, to believe that you're always ahead of us, that your kingdom is coming in good and rich and beautiful ways. Let's take a moment for reflection in the place where you feel chained or imprisoned, where you feel alone or isolated, when the pressures and pains are high, would you ask the Lord in your quietness of your heart for a softness of heart and an openness of mind that you can see the ways he is making his presence known, his kingdom known, his reign known in your life. Simply put, Lord, open our eyes, open our ears.
Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done in our lives and our life together in Southeast Iowa like it's done in heaven. And we'll give you the thanks and the praise through Christ. Amen.